This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. One thing that I love asking guests on the show is what advice they would give to an up-and-coming designer. When I talked with Will Harding, a product designer at Facebook, I asked him what's the best advice that he's been given about design. To trust your gut, spend time on, on the problems that really, really you're passionate about and that, that Facebook will support that and that likely there's a team or there, there's other people in the world that, that you can help create impactful change for. Facebook Design. Supporting your passion so you too can create impactful change in the world. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Revision Path is looking for both staff writers and feature writers. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. You can also sign up for weekly job alerts, so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email letting you know you can apply. And if you're still looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, just want to remind you once again about our audience survey. Go to revisionpath.com forward slash survey to take it, and everyone who finishes is going to be entered into a drawing to win a $100 Amazon.com gift card. The audience survey is really important for Revision Path because it not only helps us know more about you, but it helps us get new sponsors, helps us get new guests. So please take some time out and fill out the survey. I know it's pretty long. It probably takes about 10 minutes or so, but we really do need your input. The audience survey closes on April 30th. Again, that's at revisionpath.com forward slash survey. Now let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. MailChimp is the best software out there for sending marketing emails, automated messages, and targeted campaigns. Join more than 10 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 600 million emails every day. Sign up today at MailChimp.com. When you have a really great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it, and that's where Hover comes in. Hover makes it easy for you to find that domain name and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy-handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code REVISIONPATH and you'll save 10% off your purchase. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So we're back up to 33 patrons for a combined total of $224 per month. A huge thanks to those of you who are already pledging your support. Big thanks of course to all of you who have increased your support, I really do appreciate that. If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some really great perks like special giveaways, early access to future episodes, and free Revision Path swag, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge level started just $1 per month and it's a really great way to support the show on a regular basis. 
Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with Savannah College of Art and Design graduate student Inyola Odetunde. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Enyala Adetunde, and I like to think of myself as a visual designer. I've worked as a graphic designer for the past five years, and currently I am working in the motion media field. I am a grad student at Savannah College of Art and Design. Let's talk about that that uh, grad experience. What's it like there? I know a lot of people look to Savannah College of Art and Design not just because of the curriculum, but also because of the diversity there. Can you can you kind of speak on what the experience is like for you? Yeah. So it's actually surprising. I graduated Washington University in St. Louis in 2010, and immediately I wanted to go to graduate school. But the first time I applied, I wasn't. I didn't get in. My portfolio wasn't good enough. So I went back to an associate's program, actually, in New Orleans and went back and got uh, an associate in graphic design and been working ever since to pretty much get better. But I knew in the back of my mind, I always wanted to go to grad school. So when I did apply, one reason why I ended up choosing SCAD was when I visited it, I got to meet with the two professors that are teaching the motion program right now, Alessandro and Christina. And Mm -hmm. after talking with them, I was just like, okay, this is it. Like, they're the reason why I went to SCAD. And I have so many classes with them. And it was definitely not a bad decision at all. It's been really good. So tell me a little bit about, like, your coursework. Like, what specifically are you doing there now? Well, let's see. So currently, I am actually working on a dynamic typography class, which I'm very excited about because this is one of my – I love typography, and this is one of my first classes – where it's going to take what I love and love doing kind of on the print side and hand lettering and get to add motion to it. So very excited about that. I'm also taking a a stop motion animation class, which I've always been in love with stop motion. So I think it's going to be great. Get to add more skills to my repertoire. So So you said you went to a school in New Orleans just to kind of get your, your associate's degree. Do you feel like that was really necessary to start at SCAD based on what you studied at Washington University? Well, so my undergraduate was actually in psychology and I had a minor in graphic design. So I felt that there were certain little pieces in graphic design that I was missing just because I didn't have the proper education. I mean, that's why I ended up going back to school. Now, I know there are a lot of designers who end up doing it self-taught and I know I could have, but I thrive really well in a school environment where I have someone to ask questions where I can still, you know, try to find my way and figure out how to get things done. But I still have, I guess, a mentor, a really good teacher. So that's why I went back to school. Okay. And when do you graduate from SCAD? Um, Hopefully June, 2017. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay. So not that far off. Not that far at all. What do you anticipate doing once you graduate? Have you kind of thought about that yet? Yeah, um, hopefully I would love to work for a motion company. There are a lot of really awesome motion studios. So I would love to be in their in-house design team, either that or work as a motion designer, but in the guise of a huge advertising firm. That's okay. so either one of those two. What specifically about like motion design appeals to you? Well, so I, both of my jobs that I had before I got into graduate school were as graphic designers, but they were in purely in the print format. And one thing I really liked about print was the tactile ability of it, the print. Mm -hmm. But I found that, I don't know, a lot of artists, a lot of companies were staring away from printing. And so it was more of a 
to improve my skills and look forward, I found that, yeah, we're still going to have graphic designers, but there's going to be a lot more, less print and it seems to be going more into digital. And so just wanted to diversify myself and, you know, make myself a better designer. How would you, let's say your, how would you describe your personal design style? Like, do you have any, any influences I've been any told, people that you look up to? Yeah. I've been told that it's clean, which the person who told me, I'm not sure if she meant it as a compliment or not, but <laughs> I'm, I'll take it as a compliment. I really like, so when we mentioned Jessica Hish, I love mm-hmm. her stuff. I think her stuff is beautiful. So she's a very big influence on me. And actually her influence is a woman named Louise Feely. And over the okay. past summer, I got to take this typography in Rome course at SVA and I got to meet Louise Feely. So that was pretty awesome. Like, Got to meet her and Lita Talrico and Stephen Heller, who are big deal in graphic design. So that was great to meet. Yeah. So I find those people. I'm thinking of different types of art styles. I'm really influenced by a lot of hand lettering. If I can paint it or make it by hand, the better, and then transfer it onto the computer. That way, we just use the computer as a tool. So it's not the end all be all, but that's what I like to do. Why do you think hand lettering and stuff is so popular right now? I, I swear <laughs> I see so many brands use it. I'm seeing a lot oh. of designers even like implementing like hand-drawn fonts and stuff. Why do you think it's so big right now? You know, honestly, the reason why I think it is, okay, if we went back into the 80s before computers became ubiquitous, we all had to do a lot of things. Not me personally, but a lot of the pl- people who have been my mentors have told me of how when they were setting up a book, they had to get – um like all of the letting and the little type correct. They had um, this one woman would tell me about how she would take pictures and they would be on a plate. And then there was like this red mask that they would put on top of it. And that's how they cleaned everything up. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's, we've gotten away from having to do everything by hand as a necessity. And now we have the computer and everything has become digital. And then it's become really, really slick and it's kind of devoid of the human personality. And so Maybe it's just a lot of artists rebelling against everything being very slick and kind of looking the same. And now they're just like, we want something that looks like a human being made it and has some sort of character. I, I think that's probably what it is. I hope it stays for a while, but who knows? With design, it's always <laughs> like an ebb and flow. So, yeah. It, it's interesting because I think about specific design aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you when you study in school about how there's like a, a German design aesthetic or Swiss or, or or Japanese or something like that. And I feel like these these hand drawn kind of rough hewn elements really sort of speak to a American design aesthetic, mm-hmm. like something that's more geared in, in Americana. And if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, no, I was just interested because I do see so much hand lettering and, and things I I'm even I'm part of a hand lettering class right, right now because I'm trying to you know, <laughs> I tried to add that to my skill set. Well, you you know? know, the funny thing, though, is so I do see it a lot in the U.S., but I also see it quite a bit outside the country as well. I mean, there was something that I was looking at it was a German hand letter who made really beautiful stuff. And then also, if you think of like Chinese and Japanese brushstrokes on their typography, mm-hmm. that's been going on for a really long time. So I think it's a mixture. We probably see a lot more of it now because the U.S. does export a lot of 
their design. They make a lot of stuff in house, but they make it for all over the world. So maybe that's why we're seeing it so much. It could right. be it. So speaking of, you know, outside of the U.S., one thing that you mentioned in your bio was that you kind of fell in love with art and design when you moved here to the States from Nigeria when you were younger. Do you kind of remember what specifically sparked that love for design? Well, so I know as a kid, (laughs) my dad is the artist in the house. So he was the one who I always saw draw. He would draw like really great faces and hands and different things like that. And my mom always used to make this joke of she failed art class and the only thing she could draw was a stick figure. So um, (laughs) she's a doctor right now. But I think I, I assume that's where I take my art information from is from my dad. So art has always been a big theme in my life. And even though, so for example, all of my sisters drew, at least when they were little, And one of my sisters is a um, software engineer. So she's still, we all loved art as a kid. Now I'm probably the only one in my family currently still making a living with it, but everyone has still really enjoyed art. And it was a big part of our, our family. I always used to get like paper and crayons and draw and stuff. And I don't think I was ever the kid to draw on the wall though. So I think (laughs) I was good on that. But Yeah. So much of, early education and really kind of early exploration of creativity is around drawing and coloring. And it feels like the older we get, we sort of drift away from that a bit. So yeah, like you said, it's good that you were able to keep that going to keep that spark sort of going. Have you seen the last time I went to the store, there's like this advent of like coloring books, but for adults. Yeah. 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 Actually we, we had our, on our gift guide for last year for our holiday gift guide, we had some adult coloring books. Yeah, I definitely saw that over like the past few years. And I'm like, I guess whoever's doing the marketing is like adults really miss being kids and coloring and having fun. It's a creative Avenue. It's great. Well, it's, I mean, it's creative and it's also something that is really, I don't want to say it's like meditation, but it can be this sort of thing that can really center your thoughts you know, when you're, you're coloring in these repetitive patterns. It's... And especially because as complicated as some of these patterns are with these tiny little lines, it does kind of become meditation. It's a very relaxing, just color and shade and paint. and yeah. So with where you are right now, being a, a student, kind of walk me through like, what is a typical day like for you? So we just started classes yesterday. So a typical day for me, is I'm lucky enough to be able to pick the times of my classes. So typical day is classes usually begin at 11 and usually about at two and a half hours long. So probably wake up, try to wake up, make sure you're on time, have breakfast, go to class, have a break in between, grab lunch, go to class, come back, do more work, <laughs> relax, watch a little bit of TV that has nothing to do with classwork. And then <laughs> and then repeat. But I also work as a, a freelancer. So there's also find some time to get my other work done, the one that actually helps pay some of the bills. So that's what my life is so far. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been freelancing? Well, I've been freelancing since probably since I was in my undergrad. So probably okay. at least since 2006, 2007, I've always been freelancing And the good thing about freelancing is you don't have to physically be there. You get to set your time schedule. So it's really nice. It's very good for someone like me who's, you know, who is a student. So I find time to be able to get the work done and then I can go back and do something else. What kind of clients are the best ones for you to work with? I like clients who 
have some semblance of they understand what they want. And I don't mean exactly like they come to me and say, okay, we want this type of video with these type of colors and this and this, but they kind of understand their brand a lot because I found that there's certain clients that I've worked with that you're sitting there asking them, I guess what you think are basic questions and they have a really difficult time understanding it. And so it's your job as the designer to help them. So best client possible would be someone who understands their brand just a little bit is open to having you help, but it's kind of a great partnership. That would be the best client. Sometimes in the design and art field, we get clients who know what you can do and pretty much want to use you as a, a tool. So they, mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, I know this. Or you get the client who's doesn't understand why, <laughs> why you're asking what you are. They're like, oh yeah, my cousin or my daughter has InDesign or my daughter has, you know, I get those things yeah. sometimes too. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I have certain softwares on my computer, but I never claim to be an expert in them. So, Right. We all have, we all get those, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. those kinds of clients. I guess they feel like maybe they can do it better or that they've got a one up on you because of that. Maybe. But yeah. the good thing, though, is because of the type of family I'm from and being one of the main artists in there, it's good because I can come at something through my artistic brain, but then I'll go and bounce an idea off someone who's like, so for instance, my sister's, um, where is she now? She's, well, she works for Nestle, but she's more business oriented. And so I can bounce something off her and, and you know, if she understands, I mean, she's intelligent, don't get me wrong, but if she gets what I'm trying to throw at her, and, you know, mm-hmm. we can make it so everyone will understand because there's certain things that I create and I'm like, oh, this is the best idea ever. And I bounce them past other people and they're like, what? This doesn't make any sense. No one would ever want this. So kind of a really good bouncing off. So is that how you usually approach a new project? You try to bounce it off of, of someone first? Well, what I usually try to do with new projects is I've tried to get into a very good habit of maybe for 30 minutes to an hour, I'll just sit probably turn on some music or a TV show and just brainstorm ideas, anything that comes to my head. And then after I get those, I'll do sketches of anything that comes to my head. After that, then I'll probably go on my computer or go to the library or different things and then do the research. But I've definitely found that that helps because I'm less likely to be influenced by something I see online, which is good because I don't want to copy anyone's work, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, a very big thing for me. But I mean, that also definitely really helps. So that's usually how I do it. And then I can go and kind of organize my time and look, okay, this might take an hour. This is when I need to get this done. You know, that's how I like to get things done. And then after I've done all the research, done maybe the first iteration, then I can bounce it off people and see what they think about it. Based on kind of where you are now, and I mean, you know, as as a student, of course, you're learning and you're, you're honing your craft. What are any areas that you think you can improve in? Like, where do you, you feel like you need to get stronger at? Artistic wise or just life wise? <laughs> uh, we'll say both. We'll say both. Okay. Let's see. Artistic wise. I would love to become a better drawer. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that I can definitely work at. And I've always been told it's something where you just have to keep practicing. So it's something where I have to be very diligent about and practice every single day. And I'm, I'm sure I'll get better then. But that's something I've always wanted to get better at. And let's see, in life, probably do a better job of balancing. 
at this point right now, which I'm not sad to admit this, but my life has become a lot about school and work. And Mm -hmm. just to make sure that after this really great time in my life is done, I don't look back and say, oh, you know, I really wish I spent more time outside and not in front of a computer, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) But I do try to make an effort. I'm new to Atlanta. And so over the past break that we had, my mom and my sister came. And so we were able to get do the very touristy Atlanta stuff. So we went to the Coke Museum and we went to, um, what was it, Jimmy Carter Museum. And so I, was get, I got to do a lot of stuff that was not sitting in front of a computer. But actually, mm-hmm. if anyone ever comes to Atlanta, I can be like, oh, yeah, I've done certain things. I've been to these restaurants before. So, Okay. When did you, you move here? You say you're, you're new. I moved here in September of, the, uh, September. September of last okay. year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're really, I'm really new. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything in town that you want to do yet that you haven't gotten to? I haven't been to the high museum, the high museum yet. I always drive mm-hmm. past it. I'm actually waiting on, I need to double check. I know they have like a college student night, so I definitely want to go. And the last time I was there, they were having a really great exposition on who was his name. Basquiat? Yeah, Basquiat. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to go and see that. So I need to find a weekend where I don't have anything to do and just go that one and probably go to the Woodruff as well, which is right next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So funny story. I used to work there. Oh, really? Yeah. Like a skillion years ago, <laughs> I used to work there. I sold tickets. I used to work there. But yeah, the High Museum is is really nice. I think they have a I want to say it's like a Friday night jazz thing. It's like the second or third Friday or something like that. But I would say you should also check out, and this is actually right across the street from the High Museum if you haven't been yet, is the Museum of Design Atlanta, MODA. MODA. No, I didn't know about that. I'll just- yeah, so it's it's right. It's like, I mean, it's not right across the street. Close. But it's close, yeah. It's close. I mean, it's on the other side of the street. It's diagonal to it. But uh should check that out as well. It's a... Uh, I don't know what exhibits are going on there right now, but I'd say if you're looking for kind of more design sort of stuff, oh, I'll definitely check that. Out. Just go across the street and check that out. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of what is talked about in design right now has to deal with, at least I feel, it has to deal with diversity and getting more people involved, okay. through, you know, certain pipeline programs and things like that. What do you think we can do to kind of get that next generation? of designers really interested in this industry? I mean, and I'm saying this kind of as your viewpoint uh, as a student right now. That's a great question. So I was talking about this same point with someone probably about a month ago. And she was at her company. She talks about how they want a lot more diversity in there and they'll hire people of diversity, um, you know, diverse backgrounds. But she said one of the major things is How do you get that person once they're in this position to actually stay there? It's one thing to talk about, you know, the pipeline to try to get people into people of color, women, minorities, um, gays and lesbians, you know, transgendered people. It's one Mm -hmm. thing to talk about getting them to these positions. It's how do you make people actually want to stay there? That's the thing. So I feel like at least to start off, and it's going to be very difficult, but if we could have really good art programs in our schools... I mean, that's what got me to even consider being in art school. And (laughs) when I graduated high school, that's really it, is I had a really good art teacher. I had, I was just lucky. I had 
everyone in our high school has to take art. And I had one of these very basic art classes. And the woman said, I think you're really good. You should take the test to see if you can get into studio art. I looked at her and I was like, no, no, whatever. Like, why would you put me in that? But I took the test and the woman's like, yeah, you should definitely be in this class. That was something where if I wasn't, if I didn't have art class, I would have never thought to be, you know, in college. And then I had the same thing happen where I had a really great teacher. Her name is um, Tracy Clay. She's um, from Washington University in St. Louis. I had her, I had someone, my illustration teacher at WashU, who was a great teacher. And also she said something which really stuck with me. She said, it's one thing, like, the way she did it was, she said, you might not be the best illustrator, but you've got to figure out your style. And kind of, I had teachers who told me I wasn't the greatest, but I kind of ignored them and, look, you know, look where I am now. So that's one thing. So I think to be able to get diversity in our schools and higher places, you've got to make it available to people. You've got to have art schools. You've got to art, have art classes, great art teachers definitely one of those things. And also, you've got to make it so being in the arts is a great career move. And you're mm -hmm. able to make decent enough money where you can survive and live on. Because it's one thing to tell someone, oh, yeah, I'm an artist. It's another thing to say, and I'm not in crippling day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm not saying you should pick the arts or a certain type of job because you're going to make money. Don't get me wrong. But it's nice to know that after you finish with school, other people appreciate the skills that you have and you're able to get into a good position. I mean, I know that, was it quite recently? Instead of doing STEM now, they've actually added arts into it. So it's STEAM, which, Steam, yeah. which is great. Like at least they're recognizing that with all of those different science technologies, you still need art. Like you've got the, the Apple iPhone, which is beautiful technology, right? But no one would buy it if it looked like if it looked poor, you still mm -hmm. have the artists who made sure it was beautiful at the end of it. So just knowing that arts are very important, I think that will help with the diversity. Yeah, we're certainly seeing a lot of companies now implement design thinking and just implement design within their products and the way that they offer services. So it's really important to make sure that that is a viable, like you said, it's a viable career option mm -hmm. kind of moving forward. So you said you had this art teacher in school that really kind of pushed you. So when you went to Washington State, I'm sorry, went to Washington University yeah. in St. Louis, did you major in design? <laughs> Funny thing is, okay, so when I went there, I actually went for psychology and I actually wasn't looking for any schools with art. I was really only looking for really good psychology programs because I wanted to be a criminal profiler. That was the goal. So oh. it was completely far. I've just, I've always really enjoyed psychology. So it was completely far from the arts. But when I went to WashU, I <laughs> spent my first semester in the art school so much and I missed it so much that I just took classes just because, because I really missed being in arts. And then I think, I can't even remember who it was, but someone, I didn't, I think I realized that I was spending more time in the art school than all my other classes. And it was like, okay, I'm going to have to at least major or minor in the arts. So that's kind of how I got into it. But actually, when I did start the arts, I started as a printmaking major. But when I entered the, the major part of it, which would have been junior year, I found that it was just not that great of a fit for me. I kind of like, one of the reasons why I gravitate towards design is I kind of like the 
kind of the constraints of it. So you've got a problem and you need to figure out the best and creative way to solve it. And I really like working that way. So printmaking was a little bit more open-ended for me. So I ended up through some long meandering way, I ended up where I am today. But yeah, I went to Wash U for psychology, actually. So. From criminal profiling to design, that is oh. quite a leap. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like your psych knowledge has helped you as a designer? It has, actually, because when I create things, I kind of have the, the knowledge of how this is going to be seen by people, if that's the best okay. way to do that. So it's actually been kind of helpful. And then I also have slightly of the advertising background, too. So in advertising, you're trying to figure out what's the best way to kind of sell it to someone. And mm-hmm. I can figure that out because... I don't know all that much about people, but I know enough about people to kind of understand, you know, different things. Also, psychology has actually been really great because it's helped me with just interpersonal skills and working in different places and meeting different people. So it's been actually it's been a great major to to back up my art career, art career, design <laughs> career. Yeah. It sounds like there's something a lot more designers could uh, could take into account because, you know, design depending on the type of design you do, I would say, whether it's for clients or or for agency or, or what have you, there's still a large amount of empathy that you have to sort of put forth. And perhaps, you know, that psych knowledge does help with that a bit. Yeah, it definitely does. And that's getting back to when you think of the perfect client. It's really nice when you know so much about your client's brand that you can empathize with them and create. Because at the end of the day, you want them to be wowed. You want to create something where they're so happy that you did it and they see why you did it. And you kind of have to empathize and know that person really well to be able to create something for them. So So I know you're in school and you're working on school projects and things. Are there any personal projects that you're working on that you want to share? Just finished up my demo reel. Actually, there's one project I've always there. Actually, (laughs) there are a few projects I've always wanted to do. Not currently working on them now, but. Whenever I have time, I always want to work on them. One of them is the idea started as a cookbook, but the basic idea was we are more alike than we think we are. That was like the basic kind of thing. And what I wanted to do through the cookbook was go through different people's culture, pick maybe a specific type of dish, so like rice, and go through different people's culture and different countries around the world and see what they do with rice. It was kind of the idea of how do I make it so with all of this divisiveness and all of the stuff that you see on the news where people feel more segregated and different than ever, what little thing could I do that people would realize that at the end of the day, all of the fighting, we're not as different as we think we are. And here's a really nice avenue, which is fun. And it, gets to have more storytelling in it. This here is a nice avenue to say, oh, hey, you grew up here and I grew up here, but we kind of eat the same thing. So that's mm-hmm. always something that I've always wanted to work on. Don't I'm thinking of probably doing it digitally now as opposed to a print book. But yeah, that was that's something I've always been tinkering with in the back of my head. Sounds like a like a culinary thesaurus. Something like nope. that, yeah. And then I get to interview different people and like someone's grandmother from this particular culture, someone who knows the culture and knows the recipe really, really well. So it becomes more of a, a story and a conversation as opposed to just a recipe. There's a lot more behind it than just food. 
So this kind of, you know, I guess bring it back a little bit because I'm, I'm really kind of interested in sort of what keeps you motivated and inspired when you're doing all this. Like right now you say your life is really just about school. Like what's your motivation? What keeps you going? I think my motivation at the end of the day is to be better than I was at the beginning of the day. That's one very basic motivation that I have. But just honestly, to be able to keep honing my skills, get better as a designer, and just create stuff that I think are beautiful and other people think are beautiful as well. That's the idea at the end of the day. Who have been some people that have really kind of helped mentor you? I know you mentioned that art teacher, you mentioned your father, your sister. Who have been some other people that have really helped you out? Well, so big person in my family has been my mom. My mom's a great, my mom, everyone says their mom is great, but my mom is excellent. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, she's actually been really great. She's been very inspirational, very kind of pushes you to do things you didn't think you could. And mm-hmm. both my mom and I are very similar. And so there'll be times when I'll, I'll chastise her on certain things like, oh, you should have spoken up. You know, you're better than like different things like that. And she'll turn around and say the exact same thing to me. So she's definitely been a real inspiration to me. As opposed to mentor wise, there was um, teachers at WashU that were great. Tracy was a really good teacher that I liked. Currently, a mentor that I have, her name is Christina, one of my teachers right now. I don't think she knows she's my mentor, but she kind of is. She's about, I think she's about 10 years older than me. But she also started as a graphic designer during her undergrad. And so kind of getting to see how she did it and how she worked her way to the position she has and how she's remained very, very nice and such a great inspiration kind of bumps me too. So kind of inspires me. And then also the students and the just the people I'm with around every day those people definitely inspire me. Like I see their work and I'm like, can't slack off today. I mean, not that I'm slacking <laughs> off, but I'm like, no, I've got to bring everything. I've got to like make sure my stuff is on point with theirs. So they're definitely the people who inspire me. What do you kind of, I guess, because you, you, you know, have just gotten here and of course you're now a student, but how do you see the Atlanta design scene? I'm really curious. The Atlanta design scene. So yeah. what, One reason, honestly, why I ended up moving to Atlanta, because Savannah, SCAD is also in Savannah as well. One of the reasons I ended up moving to Atlanta is you all have big companies here, but you also have a lot of big companies in design as well. So one thing that I've been very surprised about, it's a good surprise, is based on the places I've lived with so far. So I've lived in, I spent most of my life in Houston, and then I used to live in New Orleans for the past four years. I found that Atlanta seems to really value the art. And maybe that's just like a very surface thing that I've seen so far. But, you know, you're driving down the street and you have these beautiful murals painted. I have places like Huge and places like, I can't even think of the name right now. But definitely really big companies here who are looking for artists. So they're kind of telling us that, I mean, we already know this as artists, but that we have value. But they're also putting value to what we're doing. And they're also looking for our particular skill set. So Atlanta's been really good about that. Like I've definitely really enjoyed it. And also I've started attending, have you ever heard of uh, Creative Mornings? Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always, I started attending that last um, 
last year. And that's been really good to meet different people and get influenced and inspired by people that you didn't even know existed. So it's been really great. Where do you kind of see yourself in the next, I don't know, let's say the next five years? Of course, you'll have graduated <laughs> by then, but where do you sort of see yourself in the near future? Personally, I would really like to, yes, graduate, <laughs> but <laughs> find a really good job. One thing that I would really love is to work abroad. I mean, I'm from Nigeria. I was born there. I would love to go back and work abroad. That would be a really great thing. So in the next five years, have a really good job, something that's very inspiring, emotional, <laughs> influencing. I can still hone my craft. I still learn every day. Next five years, that would be great for me. If, if you could choose, you know, any space in the world and sort of create a design for it, whatever that design is, it's totally up to you. Where would it be and what would you make? I don't know of a particular place, actually. I'm thinking of a place that's probably like there's a bunch of like posters plastered and a bunch of dirtiness and, you know, just junk all over. So some a place like that, which exists everywhere. I'm thinking of somewhere like that. <laughs> yeah. Where I could make it beautiful and clean make it some sort of part green space so people could come and hang out and be together. And then probably if I was going to design something like that, I don't know, I guess it's spring. I've been really into flowers recently. So probably secret garden, make everything flowers, make everything really beautiful so people can just hang out there and feel calm and collected and be one with nature. I have to ask this question. And this is kind of, I mean, this is not a, design or tech question or anything. Mm -hmm. Have you found good Nigerian food here in Atlanta? <laughs> you know what? I actually never looked. <laughs> I've never looked either. I mean, I know we have, I think, one or two Ethiopian restaurants, uh, but I've not looked for any Nigerian restaurants you know, the thing here. Is, I've actually only ever been to one Nigerian restaurant in my life. And while it was good, it wasn't good as good as the stuff I got at home. So it was just, right. it felt <laughs> weird to go and pay for food that I could just do myself at home. So no, I just never looked for it. I do know, though, that there's an African food store. So I need to go and stop by that so I can get some food stuff. <laughs> oh wait, where is that? It's on Buford Highway somewhere. I'm not quite. Oh, sure. I yeah, yeah. There's you can find everything on Buford on Buford Highway. Yeah. yeah, all kinds of different cuisines from all over the world on Buford Highway. Cool. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work and everything online? Well, so they can find out about me through my website, which is going to be enyolaadetunde.com. That would be the best place. That's the most up-to-date information. I have a blog. I post projects that I'm doing, different ideas. So that would be the best place they can find me. All right. That sounds good. Well, Inyola, thank you so much for taking time out of your day for really kind of explaining how you came up as a designer as well as the work that you're doing now. I think it's important for this show particularly because we do have a lot of students that listen. I just think it's important to hear the perspectives of, of other students and people that are are coming up in the industry because y'all are the, the future, you know? I mean, there are those of us that are kind of working now and doing things, but it's also about kind of what is the next generation doing or how are we helping out the next generation? Yeah. So it's good to hear your perspectives on kind of how we can get more people in the industry and things like that. Yeah, this was really great. Thank you again so much for coming on the show. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thoughts of love are 
that's it for this week. Big thanks to Inyola Oritunde and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Inyola and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, and Hover. Facebook Design works on an enormous and diverse range of interesting problems. No one designs at scale quite like Facebook does, and that scale is only matched by their commitment to giving back to the design community. Learn more about designing at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash design. When it comes down to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They have great in-depth reporting, new and improved autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domain. Search for a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options across all the domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro audio by Yellow Speaker. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It not only helps us get new listeners, it helps us move up those podcast rankings, particularly in the design category, and I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work Revision Path is doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.